0: Be able to come back year after year and just to see what God is doing here. And uh, I'm excited about what he's doing in our ministry. Uh, We started out this year in Texas and uh, drove all the way to Texas. And uh, the preacher saw on my Facebook page and saw something. he said, I want you to come and do a big day for us. And I said, you want me to bring my inflatables? He said, yes, I want you to bring your inflatables. I want you to just come. I said, you could probably rent inflatables cheaper than it would for me to come all the way down there. And he says, no, I want you all to come. And so my wife actually t- went to Texas with me. She don't travel with me much. And she said, well, I've never been to Texas. Would it be all right if you, I went with you? And then she started thinking, I'm not going to go to Texas. I got too much to do. So I went to my pastor and I said, preacher, I said, can you spare my wife for about seven or eight days? And he said, yes. I said, good. Where are you going? I said, Texas. He said, take her with you. And I surprised her because she said, I just can't get out. I just can't get away. And I said, well, preacher said you could go. And she said, what do you mean I can go? And I said, yep, you sneaky person. And I got her to be able to go to Texas. And we just had a mini vacation along helping a church have a big day. Preacher's been there about a year. And uh, we had eight young people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, uh, and then we've been on the road. I have did 11 vacation Bible schools this year. And after, from 1st of June to the end of August, and doing a lot of them, doing the preaching, doing the games, doing everything and I was able to see that. We've had over 200 boys and girls get saved this year in in Vacation Bible Schools. I've transitioned to my weekend meetings. Pray for me, because I leave Wednesday to go to Kentucky, and uh, then I come back, and then I head to Maine, and then I come back from Maine, then I go to Georgia, then to Tennessee, and then I'm back home for Thanksgiving. So just continue to pray for us as we travel. And continue to pray for my health. Um, I don't know if most of you know, I had a 14-inch hiatal hernia last year, and uh, they had to go in and wrap my entire esophagus in mesh. And I'm still learning to eat different kinds of foods. I love my greens. I love my collard greens. I love my spinach. I can't eat none of that stuff right now. It just tears me to pieces. And but uh, I'm learning to eat different things and. And the Lord's been good to us and, and has helped me along. But continue to pray for my health. I'm getting up to that 70-year mark. And some of you might think, oh, you're still young. Well, when you're driving everywhere all over the country, sometimes it takes a toll on you. Just continue to pray for that. And uh, pray for my family, uh, my wife and my kids. Uh, John and Patty will, uh, was home, dropped off their, my oldest granddaughter, and she's in college at Crown College this year. And uh, she got to spend the summer with us. And it was a blessing because I've only seen her probably three times in 19 years because being a missionary's daughter. So we got to spend time with her. And then uh, they come back next year, drop off my second granddaughter to go to college. So we'll get to spend time with them. But pray for them as they start another church there in Ghana, West Africa. This would be number four. Uh, just pray for them and pray for the missionary that they sent out because they support a missionary in the same city as they start another church. So pray for them and pray my son's an assistant pastor in Knoxville and uh, just pray for them. But my ministry's doing well. Thank you for your monthly support. I appreciate that and uh, what a blessing that is. And as Preacher says, you have a part of it uh, as uh, we go out and see people saved It's part of that. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being an encouragement to my ministry and just continue to pray for it. And if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And verse two, Luke chapter 10 and verse two. The Bible says, therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Lord, thank you for allowing it to be not raining. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to set up the inflatables quickly yesterday and Father, I do pray for a great day today. Father, I pray we see people saved today. I see many people on the premises uh, that need Jesus. And Lord, I pray that they would come to know you as their Savior. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for your blessings. Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. If I was to title this Sunday school lesson, it's something the Lord spoke to me about. Is this what does your fields look like? What does your fields look like? You know, as I'm driving around the country and, and here in Michigan, it's amazing to see the crops. They're huge. I, I've never seen corn stalks eight, nine foot tall. I mean, they're huge all over the place. And you know what I think about that as I go back and think, you know, that farmer years, uh, months ago planted that little seed. Planted that little seed in the ground. And look what he's got now. And he looks at his fields and they're ready to harvest. My granddaughter and my other daughter, and my, another granddaughter of mine, works for a farmer during the summer. They hold beets and peppers. And I take them out, they would go out at six o'clock in the morning to start hoeing these rolls and I kept thinking why does it take you so long to hoe a row of peppers and they said grandpa they're an acre long I said oh I didn't, even, I didn't put an acre in my mind and I'd take them out there you know an one long roll acre that's a lot of hoeing and they had 30 rows to do And I'm thinking, are you nuts? And I'm thinking that farmer's paying them to hold that so he can get his harvest. And I went out one day with them and I thought, well, I'm gonna get out and walk down the field line with them down and see what it's like. And I got out there and because of my left ankle so uh, so weak, I started to fall and I used the hole to keep me from falling down. And I said, I'm going back to the car. This is not for me. <laughs> and I'm just thinking those farmers plant those seeds in the spring so they can have a harvest in the fall. As we look at our harvest field, as you look at your harvest field, the Bible tells us the harvest is plenteous and it's ready. To harvest, but the laborers are few. Why the farmer has to hire people to uh, hold the peppers and stuff? Because his machines can't eat up those weeds and stuff. And it makes it easier for him to harvest. Folks, listen, one of the things I want you to see this morning the fields. Your field is ready to harvest. Each of you have a field. And that field could be where you work, it could be where you go to school, it could be where you uh, shop, it could be who you talk to, it could be somebody at the gas station. Listen, your field is different from everybody else's field. And I want you to understand your field starts as soon as you walk out these doors. And the field is, the harvest truly is great. And we've got to start thinking that way. As Christians, we got away from that during the pandemic. We got away from that because people said, you can't go knock on doors. You can't do this. The government says, you got to stay in. And all of a sudden it carried over and people are not doing it anymore. Folks, we got to get back to the idea our fields are ripe unto harvest and it's time for us to go out and harvest those fields. The Bible says the laborers are few. It's amazing as I'm out doing door-to-door winning. My wife and I go out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when I'm home and we knock on doors and trying to get kids on our Sunday school bus and getting them on our, uh, uh, our buses and, and, and I look around and then I see the Jehovah Witnesses knocking on doors and they pull up in vans and pe- vans of people get out and go knock on doors to spread their trash and things and I look around and I said where's the Baptists? Where's the Baptist? Well, Brother Mitchell, we we, we just don't have time. You have all the time in the world. It's how you prioritize it. It's our responsibility to go to those fields. What does your field look like today? Look around in here and say, Oh, I'm responsible for that person being in church. I'm responsible for that family being in church. I invited that family to come to church. What does your fields look like today? I am glad that a young lady never stopped inviting me to come to church. She invited me for over a year and a half to come to church. And I lied to her every week. And most of us, when we go out, there's people will tell us, we'll be in church tomorrow just to get rid of us. And then they don't come so we don't go back because we figure they're going to lie to us again. But this young lady invited me and kept inviting me and kept inviting me and kept inviting me and kept inviting me for a year and a half to come to church. You know what? She didn't give up on me. She knew I needed Jesus. And I went to church on that Easter Sunday, 1975 in Lexington, Kentucky, at an independent fundamental Baptist church. Not thinking I was going to get saved. I went there because she bugged me too much. In my mind, I was going to leave at auditorium. I sat in the very back next to the back doors so when the preacher said amen I was out of there. But you know what happened for the first time in my life that night, Easter Sunday, 1975, I heard a preacher get up and say I was a sinner. And if I died without Jesus, I'd go straight to hell. And the penalty Of my sin was a separation for God for eternity. But he said, I have a gift for you. That gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when he said amen that night, instead of going out the back door, I walked down the aisle of that church and I got saved. I thank God for that lady every day I get up out of bed. And I thank God for her never giving up on me. And I thank God that she said, you need Jesus. People, there's people out there that need Jesus. And you've got to go after them. And I thank God that she's been my wife now for 48 years. I wouldn't be standing here today if it hadn't been for her. What's your feels look like? What's your feels look like today? Who has God brought into your life that you could talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ? What about that person who pulls up next to you at the gas pump? You ever thought about giving them a track? You ever thought about giving somebody a track at the grocery store? You ever thought about giving a track to one of your classmates? You ever thought about telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ? I drive a, school, a public school bus when I'm home. And I got teenagers. And you know teenagers are the hardest person, people in the world to talk to sometimes. But I, I get on that bus... And my first stop is at 5.22 in the morning. Why would anybody want to put their kids on the bus at 5.22 in the morning? I don't know. But they get on that bus and the first thing I say to them, I say, good morning with a great big smile. And they look at me like, drop dead. (laughs) And that's the way it started out. And that's the way I had the same route last year and, and when I was home and This year when I got, I had a lot of the same kids and they was getting on the bus this, they get on the bus this now and they say, how are you doing this morning? I said, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, go back and go to sleep. And they start laughing at me. But you know what? I've had an inroad with those kids. That's my field right now. That's my field. I try to get those teenagers to understand there is a God I talked to them about that. You say, You can't do that. That's a public school bus. Yeah. What are they going to do? Fire me? No, because they, they ain't got enough bus drivers. <laughs> but you know what? God's given me an opportunity, a different type of opportunity when I'm home, other than my bus route. Folks, look for the fields, look for those opportunities to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then. Would you go over to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 and following. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers until unto his harvest. The second thing I want you to see is compassion. What's happened to us when it comes to compassion for boys and girls and moms and dads? What's happened? See, Jesus saw the multitudes. Do we see the multitudes? Do we see the people that need Jesus Christ? Or do we have blinders on and do we just look straight down the road? as If there's nobody coming straight at us, we don't look to the side. And a lot of times there might be somebody walking down the street, or like I said, at the gas station, and God's giving you that opportunity to do that. But we keep our blinders on, and we say we're going to go straight down here. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. We was out calling the other day, my wife and I, in a rough part of Saginaw, and I'm almost always leery when I see somebody coming towards me. And I thought, here comes a woman and a man towards me. I just finished at a house, knocking on the door, getting the kids excited about coming. I walk out there and I hear these people, hey, what are you doing? And I thought, okay, how close is my car? How fast can I run? I can't run very fast. Is the car unlocked? All that stuff's going through my head. And as they got closer, they said, you're Mr. Mitchell, aren't you? And I said, yep, I am. If I wasn't, I would probably have said yes anyway. <laughs> it was a husband and wife. They said, we used to ride your Sunday school bus. We got saved because you picked us up on the Sunday school bus. We're married. I'm thinking, oh, a rarity. And we got four kids. We want to get picked up on the Sunday school bus. I said, okay. And they asked me some questions. They said, Brother Mitchell, how come you and your wife are still doing it? And by that time, my wife had walked up and we was talking. And I said, because there's people like you that got saved one day. There's other people that need Jesus Christ. She says, nobody else comes down here. She says, you're not afraid to come down here. And I'm thinking in my mind, don't think to read my mind of what I was thinking before you walked up to me. (laughs) And I said to him, I said, it's because God wants us down here. She says, why is it you just keep coming? I, I, I told her again. I said, because people need Jesus. And I said, you got to understand, I don't see black and white. I see people. And she says, I wish more people thought that way. Hey, folks, listen. What's happened to our compassion? What's happened to us saying... You need Jesus. And whatever it takes, I'm going to do it and give you the gospel. See, he says he was moved with compassion. People are fainting. I believe it's easier today to lead people to the Lord than it ever has been. People are looking for Jesus, people are looking. They need Jesus, and they're going by the wayside because nobody's telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says they're scattered abroad, having no shepherd. They don't know which way to go. I have a guy, it's in my Sunday school class, and He only comes when I'm home to teach it. (laughs) And I talk to him every Saturday. I call my Sunday school class every Saturday, my adult class. He said, well, I'm looking for a new church. I said, how come? He says, well, I just think your preacher always asks for money too much. I said, (laughs) I said, why do you think that? He said, Well, he's always talking about giving. I said, well, it's in the Bible. I said, it's in the Bible. He says, well, what's he doing with all that money? And I said, you ever seen the buildings? (laughs) You ever seen the lights on? See the water running? You see the staff we have? You see the buses we run? He says, but he's taking that money and putting it in his pocket." And I said, I don't know where you get this idea. I don't know where, who's been feeding you all of that. But I want you to understand. God says to give. He says to give. And what you see here is because people has given. It don't go in the preacher's pocket. He said, well, and he's... He just wanders around the different churches. I mean, he goes to Catholic churches. He goes to Lutheran churches. He goes to other Baptist churches. And he says, no, no most of them don't talk like it. I said, because they don't think of it that way. They don't preach the gospel. People are looking. So let's go out and help them find a place to come to. Again, he says, the harvest truly is plenteous. There are people out there that need Jesus. We have to go. We have to go. And then if you'll go back to Luke 14. Luke 14. Verse sixteen, he said unto a certain uh, uh, he said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they, with all, with one consent, to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord all these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. You know, the next thing I want you to see is this, is the servant, is the servant. The master made the supper. He had sent out the invitations and he sent his servant to tell the people the meal was ready. He didn't go himself. He sent his servant folks we are God's servants upon this earth and God wants us to go and the Bible tells us to go quickly we are to go quickly we don't know when Jesus is coming back what would happen if you were supposed to go out and you didn't go out? And the Lord came back at that instant. What would your excuse be? Lord, I know. He said, go quickly. Because that's why we're supposed to be talking to everybody we can. That's why you should be out soul winning. I was with Brother Russell Tharp two weeks ago on Labor Day, and we was out to eat, and and, uh, a girl comes up and gave us the check and stuff, and I had a track, and I said something to the girl. I said, you get to go to church very much? And she looked at me like, what? It's my only opportunity to see her. I said, here, let me give you a track. It tells you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And she looked at me and I said, would you like to know how to go to heaven? She said, I, uh, uh, I, uh, I think I've done that already. And I went through it with her and she says, I, I, I've done that. I've asked Jesus to be in my, uh, come to my heart and save me. Then I said, you need to come to church tomorrow. Well, I've got to work tomorrow. I said, you can come tomorrow night. You know, i a take, take away some excuses. And she said, well, I, I don't know if I can make it. I said, how about Wednesday night? And she said, I'll think about it. Okay, that's the only time I'm going to get to see this lady. Why not try to give her the gospel? I was in Lexington, Kentucky, and was at a restaurant with my family and stuff. And the waitress came up, and I gave her a track when I handed her the bill. And I said, this will tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. She said, okay, I'll read it. She went back. It was 15, 20 minutes later before she came back with my change. And I'm thinking, all this time, where did she go? Did she forget about us? She came back, and I said, was something wrong? She said, no, you told me to read the track. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) And I said, well, did you do what the track says? She said, yeah, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I said, glory to God. And I gave it to the preacher in the church I was at in Lexington. And he said, I'll follow up on her." Folks, listen. God presents those people to us. And we're to go quickly. We're to talk to them. And we're to go after them. We're to go everywhere, folks. Everywhere. And then it says we're to go to the streets and the lanes. That's why we run buses. That's why we go after them. And I've asked you this question before. How many of y'all could get 45 people in your car? And most of you say, not me. That's why we run buses. That's why we need bus workers. That's why we need people to go out and help and bring in boys and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ. They need somebody to see that they care about them. I was out calling yesterday right before I got left to come down here and this lady had called and she said, told my wife, you probably don't remember me, I'm Cerise Hood. And I, my wife says, really? We haven't heard from her in years. But her dad was Big John, the one I've given the testimony about. I went by to see her yesterday, and she's got seven kids now. She says, I'd like to come back to church. Isn't it amazing preacher when people are away from the Lord or they call the church? Would you come back and start picking us up? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why we go in the streets and the lanes and compel them to come in. I have a young man that was one of my bus kids, and he started coming to our church and got saved, and his parents got saved, and his dad started driving one of our buses and drove our bus for 17 years before he retired. He played ball for me, went off to college, Graduated from college, he's now assistant pastor in Kansas City, Missouri. Was it worth it? Yes. I have another young man. He was one of the biggest drug dealers in Saginaw, Michigan got saved because his kids started riding the Sunday school bus. He went to prison, he, came, he was in Jackson prison for five years got out for good behavior, came back, graduated from our Bible Institute, now pastors a church in Saginaw, Michigan. And two other young men, that got saved on our buses, went off to college. Now they're back pastoring churches in Saginaw, Michigan. Was it worth it all those hours I put in on the bus route? Yeah. Was it worth it? Yeah. The fields are white under harvest. And I had a young lady that my wife and I put through school from her sixth grade year all the way up through her 11th grade year. Her name was Tierra. At the end of her fifth grade year, she came to me and she said, Mr. Mitchell, I want to come to your school. I don't want to go back to the public schools. And I went to her mom, and I told her mom that she wanted to come, and her mom said, I don't care. I don't care if she comes to your school or not. And I said, because I'm trying to get her in on a scholarship, there's some things you would have to do. You'd have to make sure you was there and clean a couple classrooms a day during the school year. She said, I'm not going to do it. She said, I don't care if she comes to your school or not. And I stopped right there because the rest of the requirements was you wouldn't listen to rock music and you wouldn't drink and you wouldn't do drugs. and She didn't care. And I came home and I talked to my wife and I said, sweetheart, I think we need to send somebody else to school. And I talked to my preacher, and I said, Preacher, can you give me a deal? I want to put her in school, and I want to pay her away. And he said, Yeah, we'll do it. Her sixth grade year, seventh grade year, eighth grade year, ninth grade year, tenth grade year, eleventh grade year. We paid her way through school. Every morning, my wife and I would go pick her up about seven o'clock in the morning. She'd get done with school, she would sweep the classrooms, and she would come home and eat supper with us, and we'd help her help her do her homework. We'd go drop her off every night. And she'd be crying. And she said, Brother Mitchell, I don't want to go back into that house. She says, it's full of drugs and alcohol and music, and it's a hell hold. Can I just stay with you? I said, No, you can't. I said, Go in your room, put in earplugs, and just go to sleep. That happened all those years. Then her mom came to me and she said, we're moving to Iowa. I said, can I, can Tierra just stay with us for a year and graduate? And she said, nope, she's moving to Iowa with us. It broke my wife's heart and my heart. But to this day, that young lady calls us all the time. She's graduated from college. She's got a master's degree. She's working on her doctor's degree in education. She teaches a, a girl's Sunday school class in her church she attends. Is it worth it all? It is. But we need laborers. The fields are white on the harvest. Father in heaven, thank you for this Sunday school hour. Bless.